Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Earnestness Bonanza Part 2 starts now. Starts now. Wow. So we've since revealed that we are... Um, <laughs> we've revealed that we're taking a break on, in F1. Yes. Um, but right? we, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want everyone to know we're doing that time thing, <laughs> and we are currently recording the Part 2 intro after fully recording for two and a half hours. It is now 9.30 p.m. <laughs> and we are still talking. Um, but essentially, uh, per usual with... I mean, per usual, what is usual? We, uh, these Ernest's Bonanzas, we actually uh, get too into it. We like answering all these questions. And so we have a part two. And so I don't know how short we want to make this intro. We can make it extremely short and literally just say, like, so here's part two just right now. part two, yeah. Or we should, like... Or we could, like, riff right now. Like, that's... I mean, you guys have no idea, but, like, we just recorded the part where we like sentimentally say <laughs> goodbye to everyone for the summer so it feels very strange to now be like okay guys what you're about to hear is part two yeah it's actually we're both feeling so, emotional it's crazy to do this um so i guess we'll just say let's just part start. two starts now part two starts now and um you know thanks again so much and we love all of you okay bye bye that's gossip this Ooh. is from sophia oh in fact sophie first of all happy almost birthday to sam thank you queen <laughs> i feel very special now that i know i share the same birthday with one of my favorite comedians oh and get to gosh. celebrate being a chaotic cancer queen on june 30th alongside with you for the record That's... i'm also a cancer my straight shooter question is boxers the dog or briefs the legal document i will say you know i think you're classic boxers the dog and i'm classic briefs the legal document absolutely 100 percent 
And Sophie's real question is, oh, wow. Are you nervous about performing live for the first time since you started working together? You have such amazing chemistry on the pod, but I wonder if you will enjoy a more physically synchronized performance even better, or will it feel strange? Wow, physically synchronized. I think this is um, funny. Um, and then there's a PS that is very, very kind, but I will be embarrassed if I read such kind words out loud. But I, But know that I see you and I hear you and I am simply obsessed. I think this is an interesting question because by the time this is out, we will have done our live show together. Yes. But I think, I guess like what this question makes me feel is like, how how are you feeling about the upcoming live show? <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll say this. It is insane to have to begin a new job, like a new full-time job the week leading up to something this big. Like I, I do think luckily we met last, you know, we've, been talking about this for a while and we met last weekend and we came up with the structure of the show and things like that but there are many more things that need to be done and they yeah. will be done but like it is very unlucky <laughs> that this week I don't have the amount of time it, it takes to truly with a kind of clean slate figure out what this is going to look like we have kind of created more work for ourselves I think than many other people would but I don't regret that I think that's a good thing it's just it means that it is it's just there's a lot of stuff to be done and I feel a little behind but not behind <laughs> enough to feel stressed yeah to be fair I'm scared as well I'm also dealing with like much more work than I thought I would have at this yeah. moment and so I'm like oh no oh no oh no and every day I'm I'm half I'm panicking in the back of my head Same. but I also know that we've done this enough that I'm excited because like once we're up on that stage with those mics in our hands and yeah. those lights on our faces, we're just going to pop off. And I think it's going to be extremely fun. And I also think like I've been enjoying, I've only performed like a few times since Stand Up is Back. And I've been enjoying like sort of being out of the groove, like not like having a different cadence than I used to slightly mm -hmm. and like not being so like scripted. And I yeah. think for us, I think it will be fun to like experience like this like chemistry and cadence that we've been like honing vaguely <laughs> on this podcast, like in a live setting. And I think it's going to be interesting. I think it'll be, I, I to be honest, I think it's going to be so fun. And I think like as much as live performance is its own beast, we have been talking with no feedback whatsoever now for a year and a half. And like, it will undoubtedly be easy to have people that laugh at things we say yeah. or not even laugh or just like gasp. Yeah, sort of guffaw and guffaw. sort of maybe shout. But mm. uh, no, it'll be, we're, we're, you can't bomb any more than you bomb to performing for no one. So honey, uh, let there be silence. I live for it. <laughs> All right, next question. I Let's do, um, this is you, this is from Angelica. And Angelica, we promise we have read every single word of this email, <laughs> but just for time, we are gonna do um, just the question part. Okay, so I'm- Oh, oh yes, and this was one of yours. Um, yeah, I liked this one. Uh, just wondering what your experience with day jobs are and how bad they made you feel. Curious as to how other people have pursued creativity and wondering if leaving a day job feels like a leap into faith as it were uh, as it were every time or if doing it gradually makes things easier. This may seem like I'm soliciting advice, but I actually only want to hear about you. Well, oh my God, perfect. Good. And in fact, now I'm remembering, I also start this one. So yeah, and so you, and no you did offense, actually. No offense yeah. to it. I just forgot. Um, 
Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can. My experience with day jobs is very straightforward, so I can. Basically, I was lucky. I, I, I think when I started comedy, I had essentially, I mean, it was almost like out of a dream how lucky I was in my financial situation, because basically I was in a fully funded graduate program that gave me a monthly stipend that was enough for me to live. I did not get money from anywhere else or from family or anything. And so I truly could make my own schedule except for classes, which when you're a grad student are not that many. It's not like when you're an undergrad. So I basically, you know, I had some papers to write and I had some projects to do, but I could truly do them whenever I wanted. And I basically was able to have every night free, stay out as late as I wanted. I mean, because I don't, even if I had morning class, maybe it would be like once a week or something. And it just, academia fully funded my the first two full years of my comedy career. Um, and in fact, because I was in Boston, it was, and I, I think Boston was like such a perfect place to start stand-up because it was the perfect size scene where I feel like there were so many cool people that had come from there, like Josh Gondelman, like, you know, Julia Rossi, like people I really respect. Um, but also it was small enough that I felt like I was able to make friends really easily. And um, it was just, it was a very nice community. And then when I moved to New York, again, I was lucky enough that I got a job, um, a full-time job, uh, again, in academia that I got because of grad school. And then I had that job for three full years and it was a full-time job with benefits. It was not like, I mean, I hope no one's listening. It, I was about to say it was not super high paying, but it, it, it was very like, obviously like it's academia. Like it's not like, it's not like I'm working in wall street, but it was like absolutely enough, absolutely enough for me to like live in a studio and like have a very, have a comfortable, normal Brooklyn existence. Um, and what was great about that job was that even though it was a full-time job and I did have to be there every day, I, A, enjoyed doing it and, and, and like my coworkers and B, like could truly clock out every day at like 5.30 PM. So it was very easy to do stand up at night. Then I quit that job in December, or I mean, some sources say the contract in fact ran out and <laughs> then, <laughs> then I love fact checking yourself. Yeah. And then, um, and then I was, un I was collecting unemployment for two months. Then I got a short TV writing job. Then I was unemployed for another month and then I got this Gawker job. So that's, that's my, that's my day job journey. So that's I've good. always essentially had a full-time day job, which I will say on the one hand was, it was just nice to have like a monthly income. On the other hand, like it absolutely delayed certain things. Like it, I, in fact, I remember one time I didn't get something because the person like flagged for that company that I had a day job. So I couldn't, so like they didn't like offer me something, even though if they had, I think I could have, you know, figured it out in a sick day or something, you know, it totally, was just like totally. a one day thing. Um, and then also just like, yeah, I, I, I can't, I couldn't do things during the day. Like I missed out on a lot of opportunities because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've had different journeys. I, cause mine, I prioritize like flexibility more than yeah. stability. Um, and so like when I first moved here, I've just had like a million stupid jobs, like, and I've had various varying levels of luck. Like when I first moved here, I literally like worked at a J crew, like for 
six months and then like a blessing like some older guy that like went to my college that I just emailed to be like hi I'm in New York like we had never met before and he was like actually I have this job and I'm leaving like do you want it and it was like this job that took place from uh, 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. and I would just like write it was for coca-cola and I would like <laughs> google like I was basically a human google alert and would like write like a stupid like bibliography for them every morning for like their PR team about how soda was killing everyone and uh, that paid really well and that was my best era and that was like some formative times because I could like truly be out all night do stuff during the day like I would yeah. just sleep sort of twice uh, twice a day um and so that and then like from there like when i lost that job i really panicked because that like really gave me a lot of freedom that you do unfortunately need to do this stuff yeah you do and so then i became a dog walker which uh was flexible but didn't pay well and then i got a job doing like social media for this stupid hotel chain which actually was tight and that wow, was i did not know about all your different eras i've had a lot of eras the social media job was tight because that paid well and they were flexible and you could literally do it from your phone so i'd be like running yeah. to something and like posting uh yeah. and then i was i lost that job and i thought <laughs> i had gotten this one thing like and I, this was like 2016 and I, and I got the thing and I was losing the job at the same time. And I was like, don't you see it's a sign. Like you're about to pop off and make it. Right. And then it was like, Oh, that was so untrue. And that started like my true dark era of like being on the cusp of so many comedy jobs, but not getting them. Yeah. And also feeling like I couldn't get a real job because it would get in the way. And so then I yeah. started working at the 14th street. Y, doing like, this kids after school program which didn't pay well but was actually nice and a lot of comedians work there so it was kind of a fun time and they would let you take off whenever you want and then i was a mover and That's that right. that sucked but was also you truly work like four days at the end of the month and make rent but it like at what cost well um, <laughs> you also not to say that you don't look good now because you always look good but during that era you truly were out of the out of a men at play video <laughs> i got very strong um i mean it's a lot of stairs and lifting and it was intense i mean that was actually the name of the company intense movers um, that's right and i can recommend them because they've helped me move my last time <laughs> wait then, i want to say one more thing about flexibility well i want to say two things one insane thing that happened to me in terms of day jobs is when i got when i wrote on um our friend matt and dave's show that was like a it was like maybe two three months in la and my day job literally let me take a leave of absence in order to do that job and then come back so it is that was incredibly that's helpful so nice. yeah. um but then the other thing i wanted to say was you were talking about flexibility and it and i think it's a crazy thing to say, like, I actually had, like, professionally a pretty good pandemic. But in fact, the reason I did is because for the first time in my life, I had flexibility because even though I still, for some of it, did have that day job, I now was actually able to make my own. It was essentially I could see that job as, like, one of many freelance contracts that I had to mm -hmm. fulfill, if that makes sense. So, like, and I just was shocked at how much... I got done all this stuff that I truly like 
had been dragging my feet on for years. Like I finished a script that I had been writing for three years, like in the first few months and then like wrote another one. And there was at one point where I was like writing on, like, you know, I had two other writing gigs on top of my full-time job and it still wasn't that chaotic because I just like didn't have to go into an office every day. And I think that was one of the reasons why I was like, oh, this is why all these people were lapping me all these years. Like I literally <laughs> couldn't do this. Like I, yeah, it, it truly sucks up all your time. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I do want to say that also like people fantasize about like that moment. I, I fantasize about the moment being like, I don't have a day job anymore. Yeah. And like, I think while that is good, like you, that is the ultimate goal. You don't need to like rush it. Like I'm, you know, sorry to, I'm like a little grateful for the times that I had all these weird day jobs because I feel like I've met a lot of different people from different realms and like it's been interesting and like I don't know you get like it it just it also takes you out of your head a little bit you're like adapting constantly and like yes. when you're just doing entertainment you're like a psychopath because you're focused on this one thing that you have actually yeah. very little control over and well, not just that, but then you're like, not you're to say that you're boring, you're fully boring in a way that, I mean, it's, it is like humiliating how bad you are. I mean, and I'm yeah. sorry to drag um, LA comedians, but like <laughs> often you go to LA and you watch standup and it is like, it's literally people using industry terms and being like, so, so we had to do a rewrite for this premise and then this happened. And it's like, who the fuck wants to hear that? Like, it is so, I remember I went to, last time I was in LA, I saw a like a, a successful comedian that's maybe, let's say like 10 years older than us, um, had an entire joke about how he did like uh, rewrites on a famous movie. I won't say what, but it was like not a common movie. It was like, and that was the premise. And then it was just like about how he worked with this famous actor and that famous actor was weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I don't oh. know. And also, frankly, like I, and I don't, I was about to talk about, you know, we both work to pay our rents <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, not everyone we know does that. And I don't in any way, like I grew up pretty privileged and I do not want to claim that like, oh, I, no one knows the struggle I've been through or anything like right, that. Right. However, like the fact that, you know, no, no matter, I at least have to be financially independent and pay my own bills, like does add some perspective compared to people we know that don't have to do that. Like, yeah. it's just, it's simply, you have like, you don't fully understand like most of life if you don't have to, if you're not thinking about money, like mo- that's like what most people are thinking about all the time. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I so so keep doing that day job. Yeah. Uh, it's not that bad. I mean, it sucks. It's not that bad. And also, I'm sorry to be one of those people who's like, you know, uh, I don't know. Toni Morrison didn't write her first book until she was a Ford. It's like I'm not near the reser Toni Morrison, <laughs> but I will say that many <laughs> famous writers had day jobs and like they made it work. Yeah, and I remember learning about like people like when I was younger, like people that I looked up to that would like you know, they had a writing job, but then they were like panicking. And I was like, oh, this kind of, you got to settle into the panic and the scrappiness because it's kind of always going to be around. Yeah. Um, so I'll say this. The next one is also about the live show. So I think we should. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. This is from, um, they signed it Dawson. Um, okay. What should I do if I don't 
get someone's comedy and really want to mm. I struggle with the in-your-face intensity or idk how to describe any of this deadpan anti-comedy comedians comedian of some brooklyn <laughs> alt comics sure how do i get past these blocks to appreciate some of the best talent what do you do if you just want to laugh at comedy but you're not i and i don't know how you feel about this i'm sort of like comedy is like any other like art you're consuming like mm -hmm. if you aren't enjoying it like yes context can help and like sort of understanding like why they're acting this way and like what they're commenting on is mm -hmm. helpful but like it's also like if it's not working for you you don't have to like force yourself to like it you can just kind of move on and find the next thing that you do like yeah i i think well i think there's a difference between like challenging art and just like um bad art <laughs> right like and and i'm not saying i'm the uh arbiter of what is challenging and what is bad but like if you're saying what you don't like is like anti-comedy from a comedian's comedian oftentimes that person is just like um essentially only performing for their friends and like if you uh don't get it that just means you're like <laughs> normal yeah you're like not supposed to get it and so, also frankly some of and sometimes like it's, it's like a, it's almost a different thing like if someone's doing like i don't know some kind of comedy that only comedians get that's literally like i don't know it's like uh, two writers having a correspondence like an epistolary <laughs> correspondence <laughs> like it's like yeah that's different than like what they will publish as a novel right. so i feel like it's i don't know i think i think you're fine although now i'm like now i'm like okay but that's maybe a cop out like how do we actually this person does want to get more comedy i'm like okay here's my answer i would i i don't know where you live um if you live in a city that has a big comedy scene but i think just going to different comedy shows is a way to like broaden your horizons in terms of what's out there. And um, I truly don't know how people find comedy shows. It's like such a mixed bag. Yeah. Um, but I would say a good policy is like, go to one and then see which of the comedians on it you like, and then maybe ask either follow them on social media or ask to be added to their email list and then kind of work out your network graph from there. Like then go to that person's next show and then you'll meet more comedians that are similar to them and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And keep in mind some of those, even those shows will be duds and it's like, yeah. Like also if you find a good like weekly show or something, you could actually literally that's go a great every answer. single week because they'll have different lineups every it's week. It's like, yeah, there's not as someone who I, both of us have hosted weekly and monthly shows before, it is so nice to have regulars and people who like appreciate it for what it is and know that people are there to work stuff out. And I don't know, it's not the pressure of one of the most stressful things is when there is like there are two people in an audience that are clearly like it's I mean, you know when sometimes you can tell it's like two people that are like a married couple and they're like, it's either this, it's like, this is our last chance to see if we love each other is going to this comedy show. Yeah. Like there are so many different kinds of stressful audience member that like having some fun regulars that, that you can count on is always nice. And people appreciate that. Just like being, you know, people at restaurants and bars appreciate you being a regular. Yeah. I mean, if you tip well. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's pretty much that. Yeah. Uh, so there is a second question that you wanted to address. Oh, yeah. This person also asked a question that 
I thought was funny, um, which is, has any fan crossed the line in some way that you'd like to address? One, I would like to say I don't really have fans. I would say there are simply people. <laughs> it feels, I don't consider, <laughs> you know, yeah. what I, I'm not trying to be. No, self- I know what you mean. I know. What it's like the term fan. I, I disagree with, but um, there I do think people, fan, there are like fans of the pod. I would never call someone a fan of mine, but I, yeah. I like calling people fans of the pod. Fans of the pod exist. I think people <laughs> find us through other people sometimes and yes. like will follow us on social media randomly. And I had one of those people uh, do something very weird to me once uh, where they messaged me a video of them like fully erect, naked and full body. And they poured like a full bowl of pudding on their head. <laughs> <laughs> Like not like a small bowl, like a almost no. like a mixing bowl of pudding. Had on you their ever head. talked about pudding porn? Never, never once. It's completely out of left field, and it like I didn't even know. Like I obviously didn't respond, but I was just like, "This is crazy." Because he also had kind of a crazed look on his face, like he was kind of like breathing heavily. But it was like shot in the daylight, like just standing in his kitchen, fully wow. erect, pouring pudding on his head. Uh, and that was weird. That's t- crazy. That was crazy. I'm trying to th- think. I mean, I'll say this. It's like, this is a difficult topic because I think, because I think people interpret things like body language and even normal language differently. Mm-hmm. And so often someone will not know if they are being too forthcoming or if they are being, um, or if you've kind of like allowed, because you've like opened up about something, you've allowed them to then address you in a more familiar way. Um, I mean, I've had an issue of like so- someone coming to like many of my shows in a row and always making a point to talk to me afterwards and, you know, being overly familiar in a way that I found uh, a little scary. But at the same time, it's like that person probably was not scary but but it's just sometimes it is sometimes it's jarring when someone is overly familiar yeah that is true okay next question oh and also this person went to uva for undergrad and mit for phd not your not the pudding person this emailer (laughs) dawson (laughs) well we actually don't know where the pudding person went that's right um, and they, but, and Dawson says, I went to UVA for undergrad and MIT for a PhD. And that gives priceless insight and context for understanding the pod, which is actually pretty crazy. Kind of true and weird, actually. Yeah, kind of true and weird. The title of our <laughs> album, <laughs> our joint album. Okay, this next question is from Joseph. In fact, it is from JR, which is how they signed it. Now that we can be out and meet new people again, I'm scared of the question, what are your hobbies? Right now I work and go to school full time and don't really have energy for a full blown hobby. When I'm free, I either play a video game on the easiest difficulty, watch a television show that requires zero thought or hang out with one or three of my friends. Interesting. Well, I like that the number two is not included because you don't want to be a third wheel. You either want to hang out one-on-one or in a group. I think that's so smart. I I mean, this question is one of those classic Wait, have I told you about, sorry, I just said the word classic and way that reminded me of this. Have I shown you the video of Tracy Ullman doing Helen Mirren promoting a film called Fish Out Those Old Teats? I don't think so. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about this for 20 seconds, I promise. (laughs) The entire point is like Helen Mirren went through this phase in her career, late in her career, where she would like constantly be 
nude and it would be like so cool that she's like in her 60s and she was nude and so the joke is that she's promoting a film called fish out those old teats <laughs> but the <laughs> premise of the film is only that she fishes out her teats so <laughs> so the interviewer is like so what's the story of you know what's the tell us a little bit more about your character. What's the story? And then Helen Mirren is like, it's fish out those old teats is a classic fish out of water story. And then the interviewer is like, oh, so does that mean your character doesn't belong? Like blah, blah. And then Helen Mirren is like, no, no, I don't think you're getting it. It's a classic fish those old teats out of water story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love that. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just said classic in that way. And I always am making that reference to myself. Hmm. I think that was worth it. Anyway, let's answer. Yeah, this I think that was fun. Um, so I think this question about hobbies makes me feel like um, I feel like you're completely normal. Sorry yeah. to uh, use that word, but you seem like everyone uh, has like a job and also just watches TV or reads a book or plays video yeah. games or hangs out with their friends. I think hobbies are for people that are wealthy. <laughs> You know, dare I say, this is a Gawker post, like against hobbies. Oh, okay. And there you go. Yeah. Hobbies are for the wealthy, the, or maybe the retired or the successful. Um, And that's not to be, not to like be like work till you die productivity culture. I don't believe in that either. I think if you have the time, you should like use it to like actively relax. But I just think like often hobbies include like space, uh, equipment. (laughs) like yeah yeah. oh i thought you meant like outer space (laughs) (laughs) no no like like you have to have like an extra room for your big hobby or you have to so i'll say yeah i wait i want to push back on that a tiny bit because in my mind it can actually i think obviously like skiing as a hobby is what you're saying but on the other hand they can also be the opposite which is like a way to something that isn't like going to restaurants and going on trips like your hobby can be knitting or it can be even drawing or writing like it can be something that like um that is actually something you do i mean the whole point of a hobby i think ideally is kind of liberating that it is something that you are not doing for money or as like a hustle if you will having said that and i say that completely aspirationally because i don't have that and i always wish i did like it my sister um is like was always a very good artist and almost like minored in art and, and, and all this stuff. And like, she just like, it's part of her life that she paints like beautiful paintings just as a hobby and like gives them to family members or will sell them for, and give the money to like a charity. And it's just like, I'm so jealous of something like that. And she is a full on like engineering PhD student, but she can do this thing that gives her so much joy and like turn off her brain or not turn off her brain. Cause it's still an activity that we have to use your brain, but like, use your brain in a different way. Like if I had, if I was, um, you know, knitting a sweater and that made me happy, that would make me, that would be so nice. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess if you can do it, then that is good, but it is kind of a, even though it is relaxing, it is productive and it's like hard in the the hustle bustle. It's like, like make that space and even like further better yourself because you're like, like you're already life is already so much betterment. It's like sometimes you just gotta yeah kick back and watch the tube. But I mean it's a I think it is like having a hobby is aspirational, but I I don't think you're again weird for not like recreation. Oh, of course not. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um 
Yeah. Okay. This is you. This sure. Is you. Uh, hi, Sam and George. Do you like this? Is Daisy? Do you like being recognized slash having fans, or is it a weird experience? Last week at Club Coming, I told Sam I loved him so much, and then afterwards felt like I was creepy. So maybe I'm just asking this to absolve or further shame myself. But I do love you bo- both so much, earnestly. Mm. Um, this is very sweet. Daisy, I remember you coming up to me at Club Coming, and uh, it doesn't weird me out at this point in time, right? I, like, you know, I was hanging out with um, one of our more famous friends who was actually um, very recently on the podcast, and he was sort of like, you know, it's tough, actually, because people keep asking me for pictures, and I'm nice, so I say yes, but then it just keeps happening, and I don't really know how to tastefully say no. Right. And I can say that I am not on a um, long-running television program, and so I do not have that <laughs> same problem. And so, as we said before, we don't really have fans the pod has fans and so i'm always grateful when someone uh, says they like me mm-hmm. um i may be bad at it i don't really know the proper response i'm just like thank you and then i kind of don't know where to go from there but i still like it george thoughts yeah well i i just want to shout out one of our stradios because they have been very kind to me um our uh glamour girl sav who in fact one of their we answered one of their questions during the last earnestness bonanza they were i don't want to say what place but they work um at a very trendy and very good in fact uh like kind of all day cafe type place that has really good pastries and stuff and i the first time i went there they recognized me when i was paying and it was like really really nice i was having kind of like a difficult day and it made me feel much better and um i i then became <laughs> i then became the one being overly familiar because then i started going back <laughs> in the hopes that i would run into them again um but then in fact i went back a, uh, a couple of days ago and sure enough there they were and i was looking for um artisanal donuts to bring to matthew because he was packing because he's moving apartments and they um recommended their favorite flavors and i got them and they were delicious and um it is essentially like the equivalent of like knowing people in your community. It's just like not this place isn't actually in my neighborhood, but because I know someone who works there, I feel it feels like nice to go there. Yeah. So, so yeah, I will say I really, I, I just do not enjoy the app Instagram point blank. So I'm, I have a difficult time. Like I often don't respond to my own friends on there. So if anyone has ever reply to a story or, or <laughs> try to DM me and I didn't get back to you. I promise it's not for any reason other than I simply hate being on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. This is from Christopher. Hello. No, hey, hello. Hi. First time listener, long time emailing emailer. I want to know what gives you all the energy, the pep, the kick in your shorty short shorts to create comedy. Sometimes it feels like the weight of all that has already been created and how embarrassing it is to be a person and have feelings and get me... Oh my god! And get me too down just, before just gets I even me too down. gets me too down before I even can get myself to start loosely artistic endeavors. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with some form of that? Or am I as alone as my silly mind leads me to believe? Probably a better question to start with, but I'm not sure how I feel about the necessary visions. Okay, um, first of all, the question is perfect. I just am illiterate, um, <laughs> and. I'm just reading the PS and the PPS. Hilarious. We are standing forever. Oh, and I like the sign off. Thanks, parasocial pals. <laughs> oh, there you go. 
Um, yeah. Do you want to take this one? Um, where do I get the pep in my step? Um, I don't know. I think <laughs> that's, <laughs> it's one of those things that you don't necessarily know where it comes from. I feel like I just, I don't know. So I'm trying to think of like, because there's some positive reasons. Like it's like, I just enjoy comedy a lot and mm-hmm. it like brings me happiness. But then there's also negative reasons where it's like, I'm kind of competitive and like uh, I crave attention. So like, yeah. I'm trying to think it's like a combination of my good and bad qualities that makes me yeah, pursue it. I would agree. I mean, it's some form of audience inc- like my, you know, at my peak stand-up wise, I just like really enjoyed interacting with an audience. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, yes, it's negative to want attention in some capacity, <laughs> but I also think like not to, it is also nice to feel like you're making people laugh yeah. and like, it is very rare you know, in all the jobs we've had and all the things we've done, it's very rare to have something where you can tell something you did has a positive impact. Mm-hmm. And no part of me thinks, you know, I'm a doctor or a nurse, but like it feels nice to see someone like literally be in a better mood than they were a second ago because of something you said. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the question of how do you deal with, basically, I want to, I want to, give Christopher some, any kind of productive suggestions. Like if you feel in a rut, what do you do? My answer to that, I think is like, watch or listen to something to be inspired or read something to be inspired by. Like, and, and you always think it's when you're in a rut and you're just like scrolling on your phone and you're, you know, not cleaning your apartment and you're in bed and I'm not, you know, actual mental health stuff aside, I'm talking about, you know, a, a mini rut you think you're like, how could I ever get out of this? And it's like, if you just watch a movie or read a book within five minutes, you will have read or watched something that is interesting and inspiring. Yeah, I fully agree. And I think sometimes like accepting, like you're (laughs) going into a consumption era is like really (laughs) helpful because very true. I, it's so true that you have to go into a consumption era. Because some you're so often like, oh, I need to be putting stuff out. And it's like, sometimes you just got to listen a little. Yeah. I also think, and not to be too lame, but there's like an element of like, you got to forgive yourself for those ruts because like, you're gonna, if you're like, oh, I didn't do anything yesterday. So I'm fucking behind and I'm 24 and I'm going to be 25 and then I'm 40. Mm. Like, you just kind of got to be like, it's okay. I didn't do anything. Like if I think about my day to day, like, do I get a lot done? No, but like <laughs> <laughs> over a month, like you actually kind of do get stuff done. If you do like yeah. a little, like if you do one thing, like w- every day you're, you're good, you're chilling. So it's like about like forgiving the inactive time too, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is so crazy when sometimes you'll go months without truly like doing anything that inspires you. And then you do one thing and you're like, oh God, this was available to me this whole time. (laughs) Yeah, it can be a bummer. And also go outside. Oh my God, go for a damn walk. Oh, go Go for for a a damn bike ride and listen to fucking music. And talk to your friend and like see your friends in real life, not just over text. And like hang out with someone who's like, funnier and smarter than you you'll just be like oh right this rules i love being around people like this okay sam um 
This is from Dan. This is from Dan. Hi, writing to you from sunny San Antonio, Texas. Huge shout out to Texas. Um, is there a celebrity or a specific scene mm. from a movie or TV show when you were younger that you would attribute to being the first time you had an inkling that you might not have been straight? Um, keep up the great work. Gaslighting, gatekeeping, and glamour girl bossing. <laughs> um, I love that. Um, George? This is not a, fir- a, f- a first. Oh, it doesn't say first. No. Oh no, it does. It literally says uh, first time. Um, but this is this is early enough that I that I think is like that I think is oh you know what? I have such a good answer to this. Oh please. And it actually is a first time. Ooh. Okay. Wow. I can't believe I just had this memory. And I maybe I've even talked about this on a different podcast. In the movie As Good As It Gets, mm-hmm. Greg Kinnear plays a gay guy. And I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's him. There's a simple scene. And keep in mind, I was six years old when this movie came out. <laughs> there is a scene where you just see his butt like that. It, I think I think if I remember correctly, he is walking while putting on pants. He's like in a rush in his apartment and like is going to get the door. So he's like walking while putting on pants. And so you see for a brief moment him putting the pants over his butt. And it was like and I distinctly remember <laughs> I, I, I truly do think I've told the story before, so I apologize if anyone has heard it. But I remember telling my mom, um, when I see naked people, I want to pee. Because, like, that's how I was processing that, like, my penis was feeling something. Wow. But that's it was, psychotic. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't think it's psychotic. Yeah, that's wrong. You should no, talk uh, to somebody about that. And also, it's funny because, of course, I did not know who Greg Kinnear was, but then later in life when I rewatched it, you know, uh, at some point in high school or college or something, I was like, wow, Greg Kinnear was my gay awakening. I was six years old and it was in theaters. I remember um, I was with my mom. Wow. No, that's a great one. That's a good story. Yeah. I, I don't, I've really been racking my brain to think of like an early, early one. And I, I kind of can't, I'm like, I want to think out loud a little, like I kind of remember like, um, the movie Anger Management, also with Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of like homoerotic tension. Totally. Uh, Even the that, cover of that movie was like them close face to face. Yeah. And it was all about like someone like Jack Nicholson had a big dick and like Jack Nicholson like wanted to sleep naked in the bed with Adam Sandler. And it was like, I remember that movie, like all of these jokes were obviously played for laughs because like gay is bad. Sure. And then it was like, but I was like, Ooh, wait, I wish that happened to me. Like, so there's that one. And then like, but I do think there was like, and this is when I was a freshman in college. So it's less like my first, but this was like genuinely a turning point in my mind where I was like, oh, this is okay. I have to deal with this. Was watching the movie Kinsey. Wow. <laughs> when like Liam Neeson and Peter Sarsgaard kiss. Peter Sarsgaard is hot. He's so hot. And it was just like, it like hit me so hard. And I was like, okay, fuck. I really have to figure yeah. this out. Wow, I should watch that movie. It actually, I did rewatch it recently and it is quite bad, but still uh-huh. hot and horny. Okay, fine. Well, I think those are both very good. I'll say very quickly, my second one was going to be that um, the the threesome scene in Zoolander. Oh, yeah. I have a very distinct memory of like the scene starting and me being so turned on that I turned it <laughs> off. And all my life, I thought that it truly it was like a hardcore gay sex scene and i and i do not think it i think it's just them like both kissing christine taylor yeah it's like their head like just yeah but i was around. like oh they're about to fuck <laughs> i love that the power of film yeah um all right 
And honestly, Owen Wilson in that movie, like as Hansen is very iconic. Truly iconic. All right. Okay. This is from Ben. Hello. Here are my questions. George, do you feel any guilt for letting Sam and Sashir Zameda <laughs> claim that improv helps with communication and improves relationships? <laughs> Sam, do you think Chris Gethard is hot? And for both of you, what are your thoughts on the Noah Baumbach film Greenberg? Oh, you know, I watched this film literally in the last year. So I that's why I started this one because I was like, what are the chances? Okay, okay thank let's you start so much for hosting one. the podcast. That means a lot to me and helps me feel gay. XOXO benches, sincerely Ben. Okay. <laughs> Okay, you okay. You would start with the first one. Okay, do I feel any guilt for letting Sam and Sashir claim that improv helps with communication and improves relationships? I will say our episode with Sashir, Sashir Zameda, one of the kindest and most generous and funniest people we know, um, was on the earnest side. And it it's something earnest. that I was like, I actually found very charming because I could see this kind of big sister, little brother relationship between you and Sashir. And I can't remember if I was being... Uh, in any way reactionary towards the earnestness at the time. I'm sure I was a little bit, but um, it was one of those episodes. I think the Guy Branham episode was like this too, where I think we're going to completely drag something through the mud. And then it turns out people have earnest opinions about it. <laughs> like when Guy talked about tabletop role-playing games. Yeah. At first I was like, that's not what we do here. But yeah. then I was like, no, this is nice. I, yeah. I will say I have, in terms of my own relationship to improv, when we lived in New Jersey, I have a very distinct memory of taking an improv class like in when I was in like seventh grade and truly being so enamored by it. I just thought it was like the most incredible thing ever. But then when I went back to Greece, like there was nothing like that. So and then by the time I was in college, I was already cynical and thought it was like not cool. So I do think I was maybe stripped of any kind of improv background, but that is my answer to that. <laughs> okay. Question two, Sam, do you think Chris Keller is hot? Um, I've never thought he was hot in my, in my own life. I have never been like pining after Chris Gethard, but if like gun to head, I'm like, yeah, Chris Gethard's yeah, hot. I think he's very cute. Yeah. But it's, you know, he's one of those people that I've not seen through the sexual lens, which is also beautiful. Um, and now George, I think this is where you take over. What are your thoughts on the Noah Baumbach film Greenberg? Okay. I've not so. Seen so the thing with Greenberg, if I'm not mistaken, is that it is the film that was when this is when Bombach cheated on Jennifer Jason Lee with Greta Gerwig. Whoa. Because this movie. Yeah, no, it's definitely it definitely is. So this movie was written by Jennifer Jason Lee and Noah Bombach when they were together and it stars Greta Gerwig. So basically he like fell in love with her, I guess, on set while shooting this film that he co-wrote with his wife, who is also in it in another role. That's so it is a so very juicy. Yeah, it's a very juicy story. Um, I mean, I will say for that reason, it's like kind of difficult to watch like mm. that. that and um, but I will say it's a really good Ben Stiller performance. You know what? No, now that I think about it, I really did like it. I like I, I liked it. And I was about to say it's like one of his more kind of thankless movies, but I actually think, um, in fact, because it was co-written by Jennifer Jason Lee, I assume it actually has some more heart and some more humor that some of his more like depressing ones do not. In fact, one could argue that women make his movies better generally because then Greta Gerwig <laughs> also makes the movies better. 
Wow. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's I always think it's fun when Ben Stiller does like a role that isn't fully slapstick. Sure. That's been the Greenberg Corner. Yeah. Um. Whoa. I love the all caps help of the okay. subject line. <laughs> this is from. Do I read this one? I think it's me. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's you. It's you. Uh. What's up, Sam and George? This is from Sonja. How do you guys think I should make money? Oh, okay. So a little background. I just graduated from law school, boo, and I don't really want to be a lawyer. When I took acid for the first time, I was like, I just want to create. Like, should I be a lesbian carpenter? Mm. Can I monetize being a glamour girl? And yes, I'm good at everything. What about cave girl summer? Is France over? Do I deserve friends? Okay, thanks. I love driving around listening to the pod, laughing my ass off and feeling intellectual. Wow, thank you. God, I love this so much. I Do you think it's pronounced Sonia? Oh, I, it could be. Okay. I'm that just going sense. off of Sonia Morgan, the real housewife of New York. Oh, I'm not a real housewife. Well, <laughs> and that's you how go. you miss a lot of these things. <laughs> um, so what I will say to Sonia, first of all, not to pit Glamour Girls against one another, this is one of my favorite emails we've ever received. It's just like concise and has a lot of different questions, but still leaves things open. Mm-hmm. It's like familiar with the pod but not just you know reference after reference not though not that i don't like it when something is reference after reference but i think this is a very good email meanwhile i don't pick favorites i think all you don't of pick you are favorites. beautiful and yes and i think it's actually incredible one of my favorite things about this email is that it is signed best and love that is kind fun. of combining the more impersonal best with the more personal love so let's see this person just graduated from law school. Um, and I do feel like this is in your wheelhouse. This is sort of in your expertise. Yeah. Well, first of all, I do think law school is one of those things that o- opens a lot of doors. Like it, it opens more doors than it closes. I don't think so many people went to law school and are not lawyers. I, you know, there are people who went to law school who work in journalism or PR or marketing and this is i'm only talking about you know real corporate jobs not even not even touching on the fact that i'm not gonna look this up but part of me thinks john oliver studied law at oxford or something guy branham was a lawyer oh my god yes better example better example because i like him more than john oliver (laughs) um yes guy branham went to law school i believe at berkeley like at a real which is a really good law school and um I will say I have a friend who became a carpenter and um, like started making furniture and like found a place to apprentice if you want to be a lesbian carpenter. Um, how do you monetize being a glamour girl? Honey, I we're think, trying to figure that out. Yeah, we're, I mean, yeah, we truly are. <laughs> we truly are trying to figure that out. Um, yeah. God, I'm not being, sorry. We I want to say, yeah. say just, I, I want to be a bad influence and I'm okay. like, follow the, Follow the joy. Follow your little acid trip. Like, I don't know. You can have a different job. Like, you're probably right. You probably don't want to be a lawyer. Like, I don't know what the answer is, but yeah. at least you know what you don't want to do. Like, and George is saying, you can do anything. I, I am trying to think. I, I The thing is, I so relate to, or if not relate, then I, I so um, am familiar with this feeling of like, feeling like you want to do something creative and not having an outlet yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of think the best thing you can do is 
enter a consumption era, as we said before, and kind of be like, all right, what are three things I'm interested in? Maybe it's carpentry, uh, stand-up comedy, and, you know, guitar. Cooking. Okay, yeah. sure, or cooking or whatever. <laughs> so, so, so then, like, you know, you don't have to jump in immediately, but maybe you start going to shows or start following some artists that you like and 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 going and 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 buying their things or going to like a museum or whatever else i think being exposed to different things helps you formulate what you then want to put out into the world fully agree let's go and, to this um, question yeah and yeah. france is not over no, France is not over. And in fact, I've been like wanting to go to France. Yeah, France is literally about to pop off. Um, I mean, Emily in Paris season two is coming out soon. <laughs> that is so true. Um, okay, this one's you, I think. Okay. This is from Tosh. Hey guys, Canadian fan and glamour girl here. Here to sincerely ask a two-pronged question. What is the movie you would sort of comfortably boast as your favorite when asked? And what is the movie that is your true, true fave, one you've rewatched a million times despite how maybe embarrassing it is or how poorly it aged? Oh, I really love this one. And I think I have a good answer. And then it says, P.S. I was originally going to ask George's favorite theorist, but I guess that's a bad question, huh? Well, I'll tell you this. I don't have a favorite theorist, but I was talking about this the other day. There um, is an essay by Eve Kozofsky Sedgwick called something like reparative reading and paranoid reading. And I remember reading that um, when I was in grad school and it had a very profound effect on me. So I, I don't know if she's my favorite theorist, but that, that would be my answer to that. But let's <laughs> let's answer the movie thing. Um, okay, I think I do have an answer to this. Okay, go for it. Okay, so the movie I... So when I was like... All of my favorite movies are already embarrassing because they're like movies that like a teenager who's into film would say are their favorite. So they're embarrassing in a different way. But like... I honestly think my favorite movie is Eyes Wide Shut. I think it's like, I really like going to see it in theaters when like it's playing on Christmas at like Metrograph or whatever. I think it's like so fun that it's like set in, you know, in Manhattan, like right before 9-11. I have a lot of, there's, it's very evocative that they're like in FAO Schwartz and it reminds me of like the toy stores when I was younger and whatever. And it's also just like, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman at their hottest. It's like an incredible Nicole Kidman performance. It's just, it's fair. It has the sex. It has everything. It's like, <laughs> I mean, Sidney Pollack, I just think it's like genius. And I'm not, I'm not good at talking about film, but I, it is a movie I really enjoy watching. I would say uh, in terms of like a true, true fave, uh, more of a comfort watch, let's say. Yeah. I mean, I truly love Devil Wears Prada. Oh, Yeah. That's a good point. And also, <laughs> and also I would say both for like both my sincere favorite and even the one I say sometimes is my big fat Greek wedding. Like I, oh, I sure, famously sure, sure. love that movie and used to know every single word from it. And like, do think it holds up and actually has like complex things to say about like the immigrant experience. <laughs> <laughs> and actually along those lines, I don't know if this movie has aged well. So don't, so I, I truly haven't seen it over 10 years, but I remember during the time when I really liked Big Fat Greek Wedding, also liking Bend It Like Beckham. Oh my God, I loved Bend It Like Beckham. Yeah. Uh, I did, I tried to watch it a couple years ago. It didn't hold up great for me, but okay. maybe I was too hard on it. Um, I, you know, this is a tough question for me because um, my answer for both is Lord of the Rings, the, the whole trilogy. <laughs> um, I don't, I'm, 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 over like 
boasting a favorite to be like sure cool and um and so the two have merged now and i i think that is genuinely uh that series uh i watch every single year at least once and it really hits hard for me and i just think it's great and that is not a new thought (laughs) no i love that i'm Um, trying to think like what else if i was being even more pretentious i don't know I have been watching many Claire Denis movies during the <laughs> pandemic. I'll say that. I'll just Shall say we? that. <laughs> Should Let's, we go to the next one? Yeah. Okay. Is this me? I'm just going to cut straight to the questions because there's a little bit of Yeah, yeah. Let's choose. There are a lot of questions and we're going to choose some of them. Okay. The first question, when did you lose your virginities? Which obviously is a juicy question. We simply have to answer. Um, And I don't have a great, like... F- like one, what is what is losing your virginity? Yes, 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 yes. Um, especially as gay men, I don't necessarily subscribe to penetration is it. Sure. Um, but I do want to tell my first like gay hookup because it's interesting. Okay. Um, and kind of scary and also gross. Um, but oh. <laughs> so I was in college and I was not out and I was like on one of these like old school websites it was called, I think outpersonals.com. And it was like this, <laughs> the weirdest era of like gay hookup. It was like pre grinder lifestyle. And I, uh, found this guy that was an RA in like a faraway dorm and he was like, meet me in the chemistry building bathroom. And I literally like was like, okay. And this was like late at night. And it was like one of those bathrooms that you can lock. And we like met in this fucking one person bathroom and just like blew each other. And I was like, Ooh. this is, and then I like ran away, like, and then it ended and I went home and I was like, so surprised because you I were wasn't a freshman out. in college. I was a freshman in college. Okay. And how was, old was he? I think he was like a junior in college. Oh, okay. So he was already. Yeah, yeah. And he was very, it was just very like, you know, you leave that and you're like, I wasn't out. And I was like, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Yeah. This is insane. Um, and I was mostly, I think it was a good step to coming out because it happened and it was over. And then I was like, oh, I'm, it doesn't matter. That was totally, yeah, like, I'm over it now. Like there's less, it's less heightened. Um, yeah. So it was weird, but ultimately good. So my first, okay, so my first, uh, yeah, my first experience um, was freshman year of college. And I have to say, it's interesting because after this, it I then had a, I then like for the rest of the year, maybe did not hook up with anyone. Or if I did, it was not good. Like I, I did not have good experiences the rest of the year and probably, and honestly, into even my sophomore year. But for whatever reason, my first experience was, I thought, positive it was like someone I was really really attracted to I had met I thought was very hot and like it just I I was it was one of those things where I was so shocked I was having any kind of contact with a man so easily and I was like I thought maybe this would never happen in my entire life like (laughs) it just it I was like not ready for it to not 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 ready as in I wasn't like consenting I just was like shocked at how easily and like comfortably it was happening yeah the only issue was that I was like very very inexperienced I mean obviously I had never done anything before but also just like I had never even like met a real gay person before like it was it was very very new to me and this was like during one of the first weeks of, of of the college whereas the person I was hooking up with 
was one of these people who like had an older boyfriend in high school and like oh. would hook up with people in his hometown and was like, I don't know, I think, I think from the South, um, but just like was way more comfortable in himself sexually, but also just like was used to frankly better sex. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I mean, not to be too uh, TMI, but like I did not last very long. <laughs> like it was like, it was like, I, I was truly like a child. Yeah. Um, so I think um, even though I wanted it to continue, I think he was like, I think I can I can do better than this. <laughs> yeah. But then we I, did hook up like a couple more times, but then I was oh. just like, I yeah, I, I think um I think it was more advanced than I was. Yeah. It it is such a funny thing to think about the first like because <laughs> it's weird how heightened it was. Like I, I was so truly like I remember then going back to my dorm and being like, I cannot believe that just happened. Like it yeah. of all people to me, like <laughs> I was the one who like you also like don't know what things will feel like. You don't know what things will feel like. You definitely don't know how to do things. I, yeah. I mean, I also was extremely like that guy. He was really like, I'm sure it was probably the worst blowjob he's ever had in his life. Yeah. I was just simply like there. Like <laughs> sometimes that's enough. I will say there is a part of me that's so like that is jealous of people who like honestly had sexual experiences in high school. Yeah, I'm a little jealous of that, too. But, you know, and I do wonder, I don't know what things would have been like if I was more adventurous. Okay. Second question is, has George decorated his empty, tasteless apartment? Frankly, the answer is no. I mean, I I have like, I have bought more things. Like I bought this, I've bought like two pieces of furniture and some plants and things like that. But like the most important thing, which is things on walls, simply has not happened yet. I've been dragging my feet on framing things. And the reason is because I kind of want to move. And I think now that I have this new job and have a little bit more money, I think I am going to try to move. So that's the story there. Yeah. And I also want to say in your defense, when I was there in the daytime, it's a lovely little spot. Like, sure. It's not like impeccable. Like there aren't, it looks much worse on screen. Yeah. On screen. It truly looks like I'm in a dungeon. It it is like a very normal one bedroom apartment. That's just like slightly plants and candles. And And I have like nice, not nice furniture. It's not like expensive, but like it is, it's not Ikea. Like it is like generally nice. Like, yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not terrible. Um, and the last one we were going to do from this chunk is what's your, what, what were your biggest insecurities growing up? I mean, I've talked about this. I, it was my body. I was like, my weight fluctuated a lot. I was very, uh, big for most of high school, Greek families, like people don't know how to talk about that stuff. So like fully like family members would just be like, well, you're fat. (laughs) And this was before the, you know. Before we knew whatever, it, that was my biggest insecurity. <laughs> <laughs> I think mine was a little more like, it's kind of basic. Like it was like um, seeming like femme or gay, essentially. Yeah. And so that like, that was a constant, like, don't be like that. Um, and then it was also like, um, I think it was a lot of like my interests. Like I think I was always into more childish things. Like I, I always felt a little slower to like oh, jump to the mature stuff than other people. And like, and now in a way that I'm like is beautiful. I think it's like still like kind of true and like is a source of joy. But mm. I think back then it was like, 
well, I'm like, I shouldn't be playing with Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I'm 15 now or whatever, however yeah. old I was. And it's like, what? 12 year, like the difference is there, but like, you can also have fun with these things. Like, I feel like so much of your personality and comedy as an adult, which is actually, I think is very, like, very nice is like almost you embracing the like parts of yourself that you were insecure of when you were younger. Yeah, I fully agree. I agree. And it's fun. Yeah. Well, talk about earnestness. Damn. Um, wait, I lost my button. Okay, there it is. Olivia. Um, Liv. Liv. Um, oh, this is a good one. I've often described myself a cis woman as a reluctant hetero. Despite <laughs> all my trying, I just can't quit men. They're ultimately gross, responsible for the destruction of the planet, starting literally all, all wars and making me think I was pretty but chubby through high school. Honestly, good job giving yourself a compliment during that neg. <laughs> As gay men, what is it that attracts you to men, other, either straight or gay? I think that's such a good question. Yeah. How do you overlook the massive flaws ingrained in them by society from birth? One thing I can't get past is that most younger men have a headset in their home for playing video games. If anyone in any if in my relationship should be able to dress up as a sassy receptionist at the drop of a hat, it's me. Um... Wow, this is such a juicy question. Um, well, I think on the uh, first of all, just on a base level, I think you know power corrupts absolutely. I think um, <laughs> if the gender roles were flipped, we would, you know, it would. It's just about power, and men shouldn't have power. I think if you take away power, they're very funny people. I think they're very like. I, I what I like about <laughs> no I think I know I know what you're saying which is if if you don't mind me like editorializing I think sure. men are childish and that yeah. can be charming yes like the doofiness I find yes. so hot and like especially like yeah I've talked about this before I, I I like I have a joke about it on stage where I feel like women have like the, uh, the market cornered on like the dumbest horniest people alive and it's just unfair <laughs> oh because they're straight men <laughs> yeah. they're straight. <laughs> no i it's true i do think that's like such a you know um glass half full way to view absolutely honestly some of men's worst qualities because it is exactly that childishness and that uh brute not brutishness is that the right word you know like um Sort of tactlessness and yeah, whatever yeah. that makes them, you know, maybe not have as much emotional intelligence or uh, or empathy, and makes them. I don't want to generalize, but like, might make a man not as good of a parent. You know, think things totally. like that, like or a partner or whatever. Um, and so, often when you exit the expectations of a heteronormative relationship and lifestyle you can almost appreciate that stuff without dealing with the negative stuff that comes with like a man having to like <laughs> do traditional masculine things that he inevitably fails at totally i think in terms of what i like when i connect with someone it's more that i connect with a game a, a gay person that i <laughs> then i connect with a man like i can't be like the reason I like men is X, Y, Z, because then if I meet a random like guy named Greg at a barbecue, he will have none of the things I like in men. Right. Like that's simply not what I'm looking for. So that's I don't, true. so often it has, it has less to do with gender than like that we, because of this 
wayward cheating, like get to have sex with people that are have similar life experiences as we do. Okay, wholesome answer. No, I'm trying to think though that because this woman, she says she identifies as this woman, um, also wants to know like what she can do to be more attracted to straight men, like what she can do mm. to like straight men more. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do. Think of them as a pet. <laughs> I do sympathize with dating straight men. It does yeah. seem hard to find like thoughtful, kind yeah. Straight men. And honestly, it's it's also difficult to find good gay men. Like if you're totally. talking about long-term 100%, 100%. relationships, I mean, some of the worst people on the planet. I mean, truly, like people we're friends with are, are, are <laughs> like I could not imagine ever being in a romantic relationship with some yeah. of my truly best friends. <laughs> um, That's a great point. It's difficult. I think like there's but... always going to be an entitlement there. There's always going to you know, but but at the same time there's a way to embrace the simplicity that actually can make your life easier. It's true. Like, it's like the thing where you think you think the other person is five steps ahead and you're overanalyzing texts. It's so liberating to be like, actually, he's probably not that smart. Yeah. And even, you know, the headset stuff, it's just like, guys are gonna some guys like video games and that's just you can't you can't fight it if that's a deal breaker then that's a deal breaker and it's good that you know that about yourself but it's like i often find that you know we make fun of straight things on this podcast we are guilty of it but you know it's just person to person and someone that's really into gaming can actually be a great boyfriend and oh my god video games at all could be a horrible boyfriend I do think one of the central tensions of this podcast is that you actually worship straight culture. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't worship straight culture. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, this is our last this is our last question. In fact, oh no, I was about to say it's the last question that was sent, but that is not true because there are other ones that we had to cut. Okay. Sam, take it away. Okay, this is from Nico. First of all, thank you for the another Ernest Bonanza. Well, you know, don't thank us until you've listened. This could be deeply boring. In the spirit of the occasion, I hope this email finds you well. Thank you. Question for both. What's your favorite Nora Ephron and or Nancy Meyer rom-com? Um, and if you want to do this straight shirt, please do. Third wave coffee or third wave feminism? Have a great Cliff Girl summer. Um, <laughs> okay, third wave coffee or third wave feminism? I'm going to go mm-hmm. coffee. And randomly same. And there you go. Um, what, do you have an answer to this? For me, it's when Harry met Sally. Whoa. I mean, that movie fucking got me. And I was surprised, like Misha's a big rom-com head mm-hmm. and I've been learning more about the genre since dating him. And um, that one really like, you're. it's one of those movies where you're watching it and you're like, yeah, 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 this is, I get it. They're going through all the, tropes of i mean they invented the tropes of the rom-com and then like by the end i'm fully crying it like just absolutely got me and i loved it so much and also i was like it's nice when you like see like a famous person that you've never really understood what their appeal is like billy crystal i was like who what is this guy's deal i've only known him as like kind of an old weirdo and then to see him there i'm like oh he's incredible this movie is so great and perfect well, wonderful. I was thinking of something's got to give, which I confuse with as good as it gets. So something's got to give that before. I yeah. do that all the time. Something's got to give is Nancy Myers, and I, and I actually do like it. 
I recently rewatched it with my family and I and I enjoyed it immensely. I'm trying to think. Do you know what? Here's what I'll say. I think if I had to respond right now, I would say it's something's got to give because it's the one I know best. I've seen it the most. Um, and I think it's very charming. I do think it's a little long. Mm. I recently watched Private Benjamin for the first time and I thought it was very funny, but also very long. Uh And one that I had been meaning to rewatch that everyone loves and I've only seen when it came out is The Parent Trap. I think that's many people's favorite. Is that Nancy Myers? Yeah. I did not know that. It's many Uh, people's favorite. And in fact, it takes place in Napa and I love Napa. (laughs) No, I love Parent Trap. I mean, what a smash. Lindsay Lohan. She's a star. I mean... We don't have the time. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess I'll say final answer. Something's or wait. No, something's got to give. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is so hot in that movie. Uh, and honestly, I, I don't. I feel Uh-oh. like I remember thinking Jack Nicholson was hot in that movie. Classic. <laughs> um, okay. A lot of Jack Nicholson some, talk on this earnestness. A lot of though. Jack. I, I, I do. I, that was such a wonderful question. And I don't want to. um shade the person who sent it i am like it's so random for us to end on favorite nancy myers movie yeah but it's also like well it's not an ending it's simply we're hitting pause and we'll be back very soon yeah wait we have to talk about we have to conclude it a little okay so like that was the end that was the end of the earnestness bonanza now we're gonna the end of break the end of the earnestness bonanza and the end of the first season of straight lab and and because it's being released the day after our live show it really is like the last kind of piece of content that's that, crazy that is crazy wow um hmm. but i but i have to say like i i really feel <laughs> i truly feel like it's just the beginning and i am like very excited for um for what whatever the next chapter will be i agree i think I think we're going to come back with such a great head on our shoulders and an excitement to do it again. And it's really going to be so fun. And I agree. It is, it's been a, this has been an, like an experiment almost. And it's been interesting to see how it's all ebbed and flowed. And I think also there's something about, (laughs) because it was such a pandemic project, there's something about like, I realize the pandemic is still ongoing and so please don't, you know, drag me through the mud, but there's all, there's almost something like the, the pandemic can now end for, for me personally. Like I know it's, what you it's, mean. it's letting go in a weird it's way. It's letting go a little bit. And like, and also frankly, you know, when we're back, we'll probably be back in a studio at least some of the time. And it'll, it'll, it's this us standing in front of a computer, speaking into a microphone, looking at a zoom is just, it has defined the last year and a half for us. Yeah. And like the very specific ways we reach out to people, it's never that we saw them at a show and asked them like, it's, it's everything is digital, everything is virtual, whatever. And it's, um, it is kind of the end of that way of doing things. And I think it'll only get better and more enjoyable and more interesting. And like, I think we, now that we have like this array of like, inside jokes and references and whatever else to draw from we can like experiment more we can do you know kind of maybe we'll do different live shows that'll be somehow you know more uh experimental in some way whatever i don't know we've been talking i just want to say for a fully two and a half hours (laughs) 
And I'm I, not exaggerating. It's actually been exactly two and a half hours. That so when you when I'm, you say it like that, that <laughs> makes it sound absolutely insane. Um, yeah. Well, damn. Well, then I guess yeah. We're both. Let's let's stop. Let's stop and and uh, you know this isn't goodbye. This is see you soon. <laughs> Uh, love you, Glamour Girls. Love you, Glamour Girls. And hootie hoo to all. And hootie hoo to all. Have a great Bye-bye. summer. We'll see you when school's back. Hiatus starts now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, perfect. <laughs>